Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. Friends, it's such a joy to preach God's Word today. Now, before we dive into God's Word, let's just bow our heads and pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your Word. Now, as we turn to your Word, we trust that we're going to hear you speak to us. May your word burn so brightly in our hearts and make us the people you want us to be, all for your glory, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen and amen. Fantastic. Uh, uh, one of the highlights for us as Watoto Church every year is that Easter week. And I remember the revival nights we had just, a, just the other week, amazing two days of prayer as we resurrendered to the Lord and His mission for our lives. Then we had an incredible praise rally and an incredible Good Friday service, remembering Jesus' death on the cross, the price that He paid for us to save us from our sin. And then Easter Resurrection Sunday, when Jesus rose from the dead and He's given us great power, the power of His resurrection that is alive in us today. And you know, I got thinking about this, asking myself, why would Jesus allow to suffer and die for us? And the answer was as clear as day in my mind and in my heart. Because people matter to God. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the fact that people matter. The psalmist, while reflecting on how glorious God is and how amazing creation is, he burst out and he asked this rhetoric question. Psalm chapter 8 verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of the earthborn man that you care for him? In other words, he was asking, how can a God so high, a God so great, a God so big, a God who needs nothing, cares so much about people stuck on some little planet? And the answer is so clear. It is because people matter to God. Jesus teaches us about this in the three parables in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost ship, of the lost coin, and of the lost son. And I want to focus on the parable of the lost son, also known as the parable of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11 to 31. Jesus continued, and this is what he said. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who had sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son then said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, 
Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he had music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Wow, what a beautiful parable. You know, the son here wants to be independent of the father. He gets a portion of his property and goes his own way. Isn't that a picture of how people are living their lives today, doing their own thing, every person going their own way, turning their backs on God, wanting nothing to do with God? And then we see that he messes up his life. He squanders his inheritance. Then he decides to return to the Father because that's what happens. When people hit rock bottom, they return to God. He was planning to ask his father to make him a slave, not even a son. Because that's what happens when you're far from God. You begin to feel like you're the worst of the worst. Your value, your dignity, your worth is stolen from you because of the way you've messed up your life. But the Bible tells us that while the father saw him a distance away, he ran to meet him, to welcome him home. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Now you've got to understand the context here. In the Jewish society, Old men did not allow people to even see their legs. It was almost like you were naked before the crowd. But the father was willing to be undignified. He pulls up his tunic and he runs down to meet his son. Isn't that just a picture of who God our father is, regardless of how badly we've messed up, regardless of how much we've done to fail him. He never gives up on us. He keeps chasing after us. He finds us. He embraces us. He kisses us and receives us, not as slaves, but as sons and daughters. This is the love of God. Why? Because people matter to God. People matter to God. Now you might be asking, why do people matter to God? People matter to God because He is their designer. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. See, friends, Anything you can find gets its worth from its maker. Man is the crown of God's creation and dearly loved by God because God created man in his own image. Listen, we're not the result of a big bang. We're not the result of evolution from apes. No, we are made wonderfully and beautifully and fearfully in the amazing image of God. 
Nothing else in all of creation is made in the image of God, only man. And that's why every person is valuable to God. That's why people matter to God because they are made in His image. We're a spirit in a body. Though we are made of that, we're an eternal spirit like God our Father. And that is why we matter to God. We are made in His image. We are made in His image. That's why we matter to God. And that value is permanent. That value is permanent. The God value in us never changes. See, I have this 50,000 shilling note in my pocket. This is a valuable note. But if I take it and I begin to squash it and I begin to crush it with my own feet and I begin to spit it and I throw it in the dirt and I hold it up to you and I ask you, does this 50,000 shilling note still have its value? Absolutely. It still has its value because regardless of how much it is squashed and messed up, its value never changes in the same way. Regardless of what people have done, regardless of how badly they have messed up, their value before God will never change. Why? Sin may defile us, but sin will never devalue us in the eyes of God. I think about the lady at the well, John chapter 4. Multiple relationships, multiple marriages. Even the man she was with was not her husband. She felt at her very worst, was ashamed to go into public, shows up at the well in the noon of day because she didn't want people to see her, but she finds Jesus. He didn't treat her like she deserved. Instead, he treats her with value, dignity, and worth. Why? People matter to God. I think about Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, a thief who had been stealing from the people, public enemy number one, the people despised him. Jesus visits him at his home. Why? Because people matter to God. Jesus didn't push him away. Jesus came to where he was. I think about the prostitute who washed the feet of Jesus in Luke chapter seven. She walks into the room. People begin to murmur amongst themselves listing the number of things that she's done that are not right. But Jesus allows her to wash his feet with the alabaster oil that she pours on his feet. It was absolutely beautiful. The whole room is filled with the fragrance of the perfume that she's washing his feet with, with her hair. Jesus doesn't treat her like the prostitute that she is. He treats her with value, with dignity and worth. Why? Regardless of how badly people are messed up, people matter to God. But people not only matter to God because He's their designer and because they're made in His image. People also matter to God because every person has a destiny. Listen, friends, we will not waste away like dogs. We're not going to come back evolving into a hen or a dog or some greater being. No, we have a destiny after this life. Listen, the Bible tells us, for God so loved the world and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as savior shall not perish but have eternal life. John chapter three and verse 16. Listen, when you put your faith in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Your destiny is no longer hell and eternal punishment. It is heaven. We learned that in our judgment series. There is a battle going on in the world today for the destiny of every human soul. Satan is working very hard from the beginning, just when he tricked Adam and Eve to fall into sin. He's been working very hard to ensure that every human being turns their back on God and ends up in hell. That is his agenda. He wants to steal, to kill and to destroy your life so that you can end up in hell. But listen, 
Jesus is active in that world and he laid down his life so that he can destroy the power of Satan, the power of sin and the power of death so that when we put our faith in him, our destiny will be changed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, from hell to heaven. There is a war going on. Why is God fighting so that he can gain every human soul? Why is God fighting so that people can turn to him in faith? It's because people matter to God. It doesn't matter how badly they've messed up. It doesn't matter what they have done. It doesn't matter what their past is. People matter to God. He is their designer. They are made in His image. But every single one of them has a destiny and God's desire is that their destiny will be with Him in heaven forever. So what is our duty? Our duty is to preach the gospel. Our duty is to announce the good news. The people don't have to go to hell. The people don't have to be separated from God. Our duty is to preach the gospel so that people will be saved. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. He said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Listen, friends, we must preach the gospel. Get rid of every excuse. Get rid of every excuse. Preach the gospel because the destiny of a human life is at stake. People are on their way to hell. We must preach the gospel because it is a power that saves people and rescues them from the jaws of death to the eternal life in Christ Jesus. God is making an appeal through us. God has given us this message of the gospel. It is a message of reconciliation. People who are far from God, people who are messed up coming into relationship with God. That's why Paul writes and he says, listen, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 19, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That ministry is the preaching of the gospel. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Listen, my friends, listen carefully. Preach the gospel. Give people the opportunity to be reconciled to God the Father through Jesus. Now you ask Byron, how do I preach the gospel? I have three practical things that I want you to begin to do as you preach the gospel starting today. Write these down. Number one, as you preach the gospel, whenever you preach the gospel, start by telling them about God's love for them. We read it, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son so that whosoever believes and trusts in him as savior shall not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, we need to tell the world God is not mad at them. God loves them. Yes, God hates the sin that they're into. God hates what sin is doing in their lives and how it is defiling them and how it's messing up his purpose for their life. But God dearly loves them because they're made in his image, because he has a destiny called heaven for them. Listen, my friend, tell them about God's love. Many people think that God wants nothing to do with them because of how badly they've messed up their lives. We have the message of hope. We have the gospel. We have the message of reconciliation. God loves you. God has not given up on you. Surrender your life to him. And then the second thing whenever you share the gospel is this. Tell them about how his love for you has changed your personal life. Listen, we have the opportunity to point people to the power of the gospel and how it has changed our own life. That lady in John chapter 4 verse 39, Jesus didn't treat her as someone who has messed up in many relationships. Jesus didn't treat her like that. He loved on her. 
He told her, if you turn to me, I will give you water. When you drink it, you never thirst again. She believed in Jesus as her Messiah. The Bible tells us in John 4, 39 to 41, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She told them, look at what he has done for me. She said, he told me everything I ever did. She told them about how he loved on her, how he did not reject her, how he accepted her, how he embraced her. And listen, when they heard about that grace, when they heard about that mercy, when they heard about the power of his love, they also received him and believed in him as their Messiah. Listen, friends, tell them about how his love changed your life. I was messed up as Brian. I was so messed up, 14 years old, into masturbation, pornography. I was messed up. I was disobedient. I was unruly. I was a messed up 14-year-old, lost in life. But God found me right here at Matoto Church. I had the gospel preached for the very first time. It occurred to me how much God loved me, that God hadn't given up on me, that God hadn't rejected me. And God saved me every time I share the gospel. I tell people about how the power of Jesus' love changed my life. Tell them about how his love changed your life. So this week, make an appointment. Not only tell that person about God's love for them, tell them about how his love has changed your life and how he saved you. And here's the final thing you do. You always make a call. You always make a call. Give them the opportunity to confess with their mouth what they have believed in their heart that Jesus is Lord. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 tells us, if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, authority, and majesty as God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so friends, we have to make that opportunity available. Having told them about God's love, having told them about how his love has changed their lives, we tell our story. We then say, you know what, what he did for me, he can do for you. Will you like to receive Jesus right now? Give them the opportunity to confess their faith in Jesus, what they believed in their heart, that he's God and that he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says when they do that, they shall be saved. Listen, my friend, this week, get over yourself. Get over every fear. Pray and ask God for the power to share the gospel. Tell them about God's love. Tell them about how his love has changed your own life. And then give them the opportunity to experience the love and the mercy of God just as you experienced it in your own life. Some people may not be ready to receive Jesus. Don't push it down their throat. Continue to pray for them. Continue to invite them to church and to self. Give them every opportunity to hear the gospel so that they may be saved. Continue to model your life after Christ so that Christ in you may be beautiful to them and that they may desire him. Listen, my friends, this is so critical. At Watoro Church, we call it each one reaching one. Why? Because we want every single one of you preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel is a commandment from the Lord Jesus. It's not a great suggestion. It's a great commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creation. Listen, my friend, give your heart to Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus today if you haven't believed in him. And for those of you who are born again, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to all who believe. Are you listening to Daniel not born again? Give your heart to Jesus. He loves you regardless of what you've done. And you probably pretty much messed up a, a, a whole lot. But he loves you. He's never given up on you. When you turn to him, he'll forgive you of your sin and make you a child of God right now. You say, Brian, that's me. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. Pray this prayer after me and confess with your mouth what you've believed 
in your heart right now. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Wash me clean in your precious blood. Give me a brand new life. I now receive you as my savior and Lord. Make me a child of God. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I will live for you and follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, Amen and Amen. Wow, we're so excited that you've given your heart to Jesus. God loves you so much. Get in touch with us. Write to us. Connect at watodochurch.com. And for those of you who are watching online and YouTube and Facebook, please do click that link that has just appeared on the screen and let us know who you are. We want to share with you material. want to get in touch with you and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Your best days are not behind you. They're ahead of you. And listen, Watodo Church. Let us preach the gospel because people matter to God, regardless of how badly they have messed up. As their designer and one who has prepared the destiny of heaven for them, he calls you and I to preach the gospel. This week, begin to make appointments and do those three simple things. Tell them about God's love. Tell them about how his love has changed your life and then give them the opportunity to receive Jesus. We're believing God for a harvest of salvations as we see people turn to their Savior in salvation because He gave His life for them because they all matter to God. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watertochurch.com. Hey, hey.